This is Adam Garrosh, Director of Autopsy, and you're listening to The Graveyard Show Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Graveyard Show podcast, the Tombstone Edition. I am your caretaker, and the graveyard is open. Thank you for joining me here for this third tombstone that I am placing inside my newly renovated graveyard. Glad you could be here. And as you heard at the top of the show, I will be revisiting my interview with director Adam Girash. And I thought, you know, since tombstone number two had actor Hal Havens on the program and he played Stooge in the original Night of the Demons, which is what was uh, discussed in that interview, I thought, well, why not take a logical jump and go from someone who was in the original Night of the Demons to someone who would go on to eventually direct the remake of Night of the Demons, and that would be, of course, Adam Girash. Now, when Adam joined me back in uh, 2009, it was not uh, to discuss Night of the Demons, it was to promote his uh, new film at the time, uh, Autopsy, which was one of the eight films to die for in the After Dark Horror Fest that year. And at that time, when I was doing my podcast, the eight films to die for were coming out. And uh, for my second podcast that I did, I had director Stuart Hopewell on, who directed the film Slaughter. And I was trying to get many of the directors as I could who uh, had their films in the eight films to die for and I was only able to get a few of them on the program Adam being one of them when my podcast was originally streaming it was every week but for the eight films to die for I decided because they were out and I wanted to be timely I released one uh, podcast on a Thursday and then I released actually this one I believe was on a Saturday just to try to get promotion out there for for these filmmakers uh, while the After Dark Horror Fest was happening so I tried to get as many of the directors from the eight films to die for on the show as possible. It, I wasn't successful. I got, I got some directors on. It wouldn't be until the following year where I got everybody to come on the show. But um, that, was, that was what I was trying to accomplish at this point so early on in the Graveyard Show podcast history. When I was revisiting this interview, putting it together for this um, for this Tombstone edition, I, I've forgotten how much I really enjoyed this interview with Adam. Adam was refreshingly uh, honest about what it was like being a first-time director. Now, leading into Autopsy, he was a writer, actor, still is. Um, but Autopsy was that first film that he was going to direct, and he really does not shy away from discussing what it is to be a first-time director. And I think for those of you out there that may be interested in getting involved in the entertainment business in whatever whatever uh, genre uh, you're looking in getting into or whatever portion of it, whether it's TV, streaming, movies, theater, I think this is an important interview for you to hear. Because, as I said, Adam was refreshingly honest, and he really gets into the idea of what it was like uh, as a writer, becoming a director, and he co-wrote the script as well. But going through the casting process, going through the filming process, 
um, what his fears were, and also getting the crew that he could surround himself with that could help make him be a successful first-time director. I think that's one of those things that just gets forgotten about. I think in people's minds, you have a director that is the, the boss, and everybody else just kind of follows them and forgets that you have crew members that are well-polished in their craft as well. And when you get that and you surround yourself with that, that is a huge difference. Having experienced professionals to surround you as a first-time director makes all the difference between success and failure. Because whereas a first-time director, you're going to make mistakes, you're going to have crew that's around you that can help prevent you from falling off that ledge by giving you options to do things differently and bring that experience that they have from uh, their careers to help aid you in becoming successful and making the film work. So I hope you guys really enjoy this interview with with Adam. Uh, Like I said, I had a great time doing it. I had a great time revisiting it. And um, as if on cue, right over there is my trusty werewolf. And of course, he will take you deep into the archives of the Graveyard Show podcast, where we will revisit my interview with director Adam Girash as we discuss his film, Autopsy. The time, January 10th, 2009. The place, Graveyard Show podcast number three. Number three? Wow, back in the day. All right. I will see you right here when you return. Enjoy this interview and safe travels. And as you can hear in the background, we are wasting no time because this grave is for my next guest. Autopsy is one of the eight films to die for in this year's After Dark Horror Fest. And joining me right now in the graveyard is the director and co-writer, Adam Girash. Adam, thank you for joining me. You're welcome. So why don't we just get to it? What is Autopsy about? It's about a hospital, some kids, and a very long night. Okay. You know, it's a, you know, there's kids that are in a hospital and there's bad things that are happening. We don't want to give away too much because it's relatively simple. I spoke with uh, Stuart Hopewell, who directed the movie Slaughter, and that was one of the two movies that the After Dark uh, Productions uh, did as well. Not only uh, are distributing, but they produced it as well. In your case, how did you get your film Autopsy in the film festival? Oh, we showed it to them. And they said, oh, this is groovy. Um, It's a... (laughs) I have a suspicion that it's probably the most sort of horror of the bunch. I mean, Autopsy is very straightforward, good old-fashioned, all-American, just balls-to-the-wall horror. Okay. You know, nice nice and bloody, Uh um, uh, nice and bloody, mean-spirited, fun. Now, um, without getting into it, uh, how did you come up with the story for Autopsy? Me and the co-writer Evan Katz... Um, uh, you know, Evan had just moved to town, and what, you know, and he wanted to get his screenwriting career going. And, and he was going, well, Adam, maybe if we all wrote a script together, me, you, and Jace, who's my writing partner, 
you know, maybe if we um, all wrote a script together, it would, you know, you know, I could, you know, we could, uh, I could get started. And I'm like, sure, no, that sounds like a good idea. And Evan's like, I've got this great idea. It's, what if we have a bunch of punk rockers getting murdered in a squat? And I'm like, I, nah. I mean, I'll being a old-time punk rock dude myself, I was sort of warm to the idea, but then I said, I have no idea how to make that into a movie. And the, but I had um, uh, always thought hospitals were creepy, so I just came back and countered that maybe we should write a hospital horror film. I hadn't seen one in a while. You know, and do something more in the lines of a Dr. Butcher MD or but not but not sophisticated just something really just nasty mm-hmm. and like 80s and italian seeming now where did you go to get the film financed after the script was completed well that was actually quite a long process what happened was we finished writing it and immediately this one company optioned it they will go nameless and uh, for a year, they kept calling us saying, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. And uh, I was just sort of like, okay, good. go ahead. When you, you, know, <laughs> when you get yeah. money to make the movie, let me know. And a year went by, and we got our, we, the option expired, and we got our script back. So I'm like, okay, that's cool. Um, now now I, uh, me and Evan started talking, and I'm like, look, you know, I think we need to make some changes to the script. Um, so we we radically altered the screenplay at that point, and um, uh, you know we I sent it to my agent. And I said I think this would be a great one for me to direct, and I was talking to my um, friend producer Jessica Horowitz. And she's like I'd love to come on and produce it, and we sent it out and we got two offers, and uh, you know my agent did, and uh, voila we we chose Warren Zide, the producer of Final Destination. Okay. And the rest is history. I spoke with Jack Messett uh, a few weeks ago regarding his movie, Midnight Movie, which is an independent film like yours. And we spoke about uh, doing the negative pickup and getting distribution. How was it for you in terms of getting, at least getting the exposure for your movie, even into the into the horror fest? What, what path was it like for you? Okay, the movie's done, it's cut, it's ready to go. It was very straightforward, to be honest. Uh-huh. I mean, I feel a little spoiled um, uh, telling you this, but when from before we even started shooting, mm-hmm. I thought A Film Sadafor would be a very happy home for it. Sure. And, uh, you know, I just know that in the modern climate with distribution and stuff, it's very hard to get your movie into theaters at all. Mm-hmm. And I'd really liked what they uh, had done for a friend of mine's movie, Grave Dancers, by oh, Mendes. sure. And and so I was like, they, they, they kicked ass for Mike. And so I was like, if they kicked ass for Mike, they can kick ass for me. And so what the first place we showed it to was After Dark. And we got distribution. Wow. So, I mean, it, it was, the process was not long. Okay. Well, that's good. It's nice to hear kind of both sides of it, because I know for some people it is a long and involved process. And other people, you know, sometimes it's just, it's right there. It kind of drops right on their lap and, and off they go. Well, the thing is, Autopsy is an independent film, meaning that it didn't, you know, there was no major studio financing involved. Mm-hmm. But the people that financed Autopsy are a, you know, they're a, oh, a sales company for, you know, and they do a lot of foreign sales. That, that would be that would be Seven Arts. Okay. And they do a lot of foreign sales, and so we knew that going into it, you know, we knew that there would be options. Okay. And you know, we cast it accordingly. Mm-hmm. This is the first movie that you directed. Absolutely. Um, so. 
What was that like going into it as a first-time director, having to do um, casting sessions and pre-production? Well, I, since I had been an actor for a long time, and then obviously a writer, but the <laughs> casting was like a dream come true doing that. That mm -hmm. was very fun because I loved the idea of sitting on the other side of the desk, yep. you know, and watching people and like giving notes and being that guy that I wished I had auditioned for. Sure. So, I mean, that was good. Now, how was directing as a first-timer? You know, it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's intimidating. I didn't fully know what I was doing, but that, that can be for the best, too. Like, you know, I definitely, definitely as a first-time director, you learn as you go. And I wish I could say I had all the answers before we started, yeah. but I didn't. And I had most of them when we finished. Uh-huh. And uh, certainly on the next movie, I was a lot much more of director man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but you know what? It's, I don't think anybody is prepared for how sort of all-encompassing the directorial job is. Sure. Because it's a mixture of, you know, the creative with the managerial. Mm -hmm. Most people don't realize that. They think that it, being a director is just being an auteur and placing your vision on celluloid. It's not. It's, you know, the, there's many different creative parts of the movie process. The first and foremost important one, I must add, is writing. You know, it's very hard to make a good movie out of a bad screenplay. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so there's writing and, uh, you know, and giving notes to the actors and talking to the cinematographer and coming up with the shots and the, oh, and the look of the film and the, the production designer and all that stuff is great. And putting all that stuff together was like, I felt like I was finally home. Okay. It was like, I've been wanting to do it for so long that I was like, yes, of course, we're going to look like this and this and this. And I was so, I, what I wasn't prepared for is the managerial, the managerial side of it. No, which is, you were basically a ship's captain. Mm-hmm. You know, there was rough seas ahead because you were making a low-budget film. Mm-hmm. And you have to pilot this this sort of giant clunky machine, you know, through the rough waters and all the drama that comes along with that. Yep. You know, every person that has any kind of problem, you feel it on your shoulders. You feel like you're really just carrying, at least I felt like I was just carrying the weight of the world on me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it, and it gets, got a little intense. You know, I'm a pretty laid back kind of guy. And... Uh, you know, just a huge horror fan, etc. I, I expected all that to translate more smoothly than it did. Mm -hmm. But no, there's there's a real there's a real skill and a real attitude, you know, that's helpful to have. And what kind of attitude was that that kept you sane during this process? Well, different attitudes for different parts of the process. The mm -hmm. hardest part was definitely the script development. Oh, my God, that went on for a long time. Okay. And when we're actually shooting, I was surrounded by really good people. You know, I'm, I was not about that point in time after I had finished developing the script and everything. I was not about to sort of hire my buddies and say, let's all go make a film. Yeah. I was like, no, I'm going to pick the best f***ing DP I can. Yep. And I did. I picked Tony Richmond, who shot Don't Look Now, Man Who Fell to Earth, uh, Candyman. And so, uh, you know, I, sure. I'm like, this is going to be awesome. He shot the Indian Runner. Great. He's a great 
DP. He was Jean-Luc Godard's DP in the 60s. So, and so I got him. I made sure that I had a killer production designer, a cast that was awesome. I mean, and so really, I'm, I came loaded for bear. I'm like, we're going to finish this with a movie, and it's going to be a slick movie, and it's going to be a fun movie. Were you concerned that, because certainly as a writer, you can sit and you can imagine and you can create. Was there concern that once you were able, you and Evan and Jace were able to get this script done, was there any concern now that as a director that you weren't going to be able to make the page work on the screen? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It scared the daylights out of me. Yeah. Of course. I mean, it's... Uh, see, if you don't... I didn't... I came from a writer's perspective and an actor's perspective into directing. Now, other people come in through an editor's perspective or a, or a cinematographer's perspective, and they and I think those people have more nuts and bolts filmmaking knowledge okay. than the you know than the than the than the writer actor types do. Now that doesn't necessarily mean they're better at all. Matter of fact, I would tend to you know think that people that come from a writing and acting perspective are better because they're you know, you know, they're they're less they're less concerned with the technical and more concerned with the emotional. And so, I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, I think everybody is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think everybody's got their own perspective. But but anyway, the point is that if you come at it from a technical point of view, all those scary questions of oh my God, where do these where are these shots coming from? Oh, how are, how is this going to work? Is this going to cut together into something that resembles a story? I think that you you would be more confident that all those questions would be answered yes. Whereas I was like, okay, here we go, good. You guys are you know everybody's acting well. You know we got we got a good we got some good gore effects, you know. There's some funny dialogue here. Okay, now let's see if it cuts together into, and I saw the rough cut of the film, my editor assembly, and I almost died. I was like, no! What have I done? What kind of monster have I wrought here? Or, or I am the next Ed Wood. Yeah. <laughs> I suck. You know? And you know that was certainly a heart-wrenching experience. I mean, it felt. I mean, it felt like fun, and I felt I was a little nervous because I didn't know what I was doing. But the truth be told, if you surround yourself with good people, um, and you keep that ship failing straight, you're in pretty good shape. Working with a low-budget movie. Did you ever find yourself learning the, the limitations that were that were ahead of you in terms of time, money, um, having instead of maybe doing 12 shots, narrowing that down to four shots? Did you ever find that was kind of... Yes, yes, I did. Um, however, you know, I also, because I had produced or was a producer on, I was not the sole producer on it, a movie called Toolbox Murders, yes. you know, that me and Jace wrote. And, you know, I'd acted in so many, you know, movies and written, and as a writer, we were always on the set for all, all the films. So I was pretty aware of how much things were going to have to change once things got going. Mm -hmm. There was a scene for your film autopsy that looked quite involved. There's, there's some really cool makeup effects yeah. by Gary Tunacliff in the movie. Yeah, that looked rad on set. I saw once we set that whole apparatus yeah. up, I was like, damn. 
Yeah. And I was going to say, how is that when you walk into your set, you walk onto the set, and you see that? Well, and people will I, know, you know what it is when they, them, when they see it. I saw them assemble it in pieces. So okay. I mean, it just had to have been unbelievable. Yeah, no, it was fun. It was a cool image to come up with in the, in the first place. Uh-huh. It was, I knew that that was going to be a standout. And for all you listeners out there in podcast land, uh, we're, we're talking about a scene of a terrible fate that befalls one of the characters. <laughs> and uh, you'll, you'll see. Um, you'll know the one we're talking about. It's a very, very elaborate makeup effect. Yeah, I would say elaborate, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. In your uh, research for the script, since it is called Autopsy, did you or the other writers go through and pull what, any films that you could find on autopsies, or did you well, just kind of okay. leave it up to the imagination? Okay, this, this, is, this is where I come off sounding like a real ass. <laughs> okay. There are no autopsies in the film. Okay. Uh, um, Evan came up with that title. You can blame him entirely for it. It was originally, it was not titled Autopsy. I can't even remember what it was titled mm-hmm. originally. But we were trying to find a catchy, this is actually before we sold it. Okay. Both times. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, and we were trying to find a catchy title. Okay. Uh, because it was... You know, it was a medical horror movie, and I, we were trying to think of all sorts of, like, medical titles, like, you know, like old Sawbones, because they used to call, doc, they used to call doctors Sawbones. Okay. And then it was like, no, it's got saw, and it's got bones, and we're just going to confuse the f*** out of everybody. So, um, Evan called me and goes, autopsy, and I said, well, it sounds medical. Okay, let's go, let's go with that. <laughs> no, I, that's about the most dishonest thing I can do for all you uh, listeners out there in podcast land. Be prepared, there are no autopsies in the movie, but there's plenty of stuff. That's I was going to say, because from, from what I saw, I mean, it, even even if there aren't any autopsies, they're certainly not going to be let down, because there's a whole lot going on, yeah, and there's, it's, there's it's a, scary as all hell. Yeah, there's a lot of blood. Uh, <laughs> well, getting, getting, into the, getting into the blood, well, before I get into the blood, um, even even though there weren't any autopsies performed in the movie, was there still a medical advisor on set? To, no, to... Um, no, there wasn't. We, we, you know, Jace came up with one scene because she once had a very bad headache and woke her up in the middle of the night and okay. we had to take her down to Cedar, Cedar Sinai uh-huh. and they gave her a spinal tap. Oh no! And they went wrong. It was they. There was a medical school student I think that was doing it or something, and they. You have to stick the needle in her three times before they pierce the spine. Oh no! And then they, uh, you know, and then the spinal, the spine didn't heal, so she wound up leaking spinal fluid and stuff. And so we took that experience. She's fine. Don't worry. It actually happens to more people than you would think. So uh. be careful, those of you guys that are about to go get spinal taps. Um, <laughs> lie down for at least eight hours after you get the thing to allow the spine to heal, so okay. you don't drip fluid because it causes very bad headaches and the like. Anyway, so we took experiences like that and and I, you know, last time I was in the hospital or, uh, you know, for uh, tests or something, I had a very weird experience when they said, you know, they put me in the gown and they were going to march me into the MRI room. But they had to go do something. So they said, go down the hallway, take the first left, then a right, and then it's through the double doors, labeled magnetic imaging. <laughs> and, I, and there I am walking in my little hospital gown, and I made a right and a left, and I had no the f- 
idea where I was anymore. I had no clue. And I'm, because every corridor looks the same in a hospital. This yes. was down in the basement, and it was just like freaky. And so I was, we pulled upon our personal experiences from those things. Okay. Well, those are usually the best ways to are, do it. I mean, yeah, these people that are in the movie that are doing procedures on people, it's highly debatable whether they know what the f*** they're doing. <laughs> well, it's part of the fiction of it all, right? I yeah. mean, it is a movie after all. Exactly. But you try to be real, too. And, you know, certainly the organs and stuff, we weren't very fanciful with them. Yep. And we, we tried to keep things as real as we could mm -hmm. and still had it translate to celluloid. Okay. Now, you and Jace have worked together. You've worked together quite a bit. Yeah. She, she's, she's my girlfriend, the love of my life. Were you writing before you were dating, or did you start writing together? No, no. We had been dating for two years. Okay. And I was an actor, and she was in social work school. And uh, one day we were like, ah, oh, let's try to write a script. And the rest is history. Okay. Oh, we're engaged now. Everybody. Oh, congratulations. We're in podcast land. Oh, that's great. Congratulations. Date set? No, I have to wait to see if this um, movie, this other movie I'm going to do is going to go. I can't talk about that sure. right now. But, okay. But um, it's, uh, there's something in the future. Okay, well, that's awesome. That's, well, congratulations, yeah. especially, especially if it goes. I mean, yeah, we're, all, yeah. we're all hoping well, that it goes for it. The movie or the wedding. Either is, a, either okay. is good news. Okay. Um, well, what, <laughs> kind of, what, what, what kind of process do you guys go through with your, with your screenwriting? Is it something where you work together on it, or do you do your draft and then she does a draft? And no, you kinda... uh, no, we come up with the, I come up with the ideas generally speaking okay and then we talk about them and she goes and does a draft and then we go through or she goes into the scene and then we go through the scene together <laughs> and make notes and polish it okay and finish it up so we actually it's one of the reasons we've been able to write as many scripts as, as we have and still stay together as a couple okay is we don't work in the same room okay now I remember uh, going back one one of the movies that popped in my brain with, with a, a man and woman writing it was was the original Halloween, where John Carpenter wrote... Um, Whichever Hill. Yes, and I remember hearing that she wrote a lot of the dialogue for Jamie Lee Curtis and the other female characters. Is that something that happens with, with, with in your case, or sometimes, is it just kind of... Sometimes, certainly more so in uh, Night of the Demons okay. than in Autopsy, where Autopsy is very minimal when it comes to people talking. Okay. It's very... Like, you'll see, it's just like an old-school like Italian. Okay, so it's, it's quite visual. Yes, hopefully. People do talk. It's not a Sure. Who has more of a gore interest, you or her? Well, I certainly dragged her into the dark side. <laughs> okay. I'm, uh, you know, I was the kind of kid that was reading Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine. Mm -hmm. And matter of fact, I you know, it was actually on the faithful day in, I believe, the late 70s sometime when I went to the store to go find the new issue of Famous Monsters, and I happened upon the, an issue of a magazine called Fangoria, number mm -hmm. one. Oh, wow. And so I bought that that day. And uh, I've been on this train for a long time. Wow. <laughs> Let's just say I'm a, you know, I wouldn't be, I would be totally useless if I weren't a fan. Mm -hmm. Well, I would find, you know, and that's interesting because uh, let's, let's talk about that. I know that in certain professions, you don't necessarily have to be a fan of what it is that you're doing. But 
in in this situation, even in entertainment, that's 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 the case as well. You'd be surprised that like people are working on a particular yeah, whether it's in TV or film or sports or, or anything, and they don't necessarily aren't fans of it or didn't grow up with it. For someone like yourself, myself, uh, that have grown up watching horror, being having it a part of our lives, can you can you talk to people that that maybe just are finding horror for the first time or kind of dabbling in in watching horror movies. What what does that mean to you having gotten Fangoria issue number one and, and, and having grown up with it to now be a part of it in such a significant way? It's, you know, it's strange. I wish that it would have happened more suddenly because it was such a slow, gradual process. It's sort of like getting a tan, you know, mm-hmm. where, you know, uh, you come back from you know, a summer at the beach, and uh, everybody's like, boy, you sure do have a tan. Yeah. And, and you were like, really? I never didn't notice, you know? <laughs> so, yes, there were there were certain times when my agent, uh, you know, when we, we got, we wrote a horror script first because, you know, we figured that was what I knew so well. Why go into, why do anything else? Mm-hmm. Really, why not practice what you know? Yep. And uh, and one of the first things our agent did was send us on a meeting with one of her clients, who is uh, a guy named Toby Hooper, and uh, you know did the original Texas oh, yes. about massacre and poltergeist and sure. things like that. And so you know I'm sitting there you know at lunch with Toby Hooper, going, oh wow, this is cool, and I knew all about him from reading all the old Fangorias and stuff. But I'm trying to be professional and not a slobbering fan, you know. And so I was just sort of like, you know, wait, this is cool. Wow. Imagine the, look how far I've come. And then the other, and so, you know, and so it happens bits and pieces gradually. And then you wind up getting work and working with these people. And then all of a sudden, as soon as you start working with them, their sort of aura of, or at least my, my feelings of fanboyishness goes away because I have to act professional around them and yep. work, you know, and be, be a grown up to a certain degree. <laughs> so you don't so so it just all of a sudden next thing you know, I was like I had this weird thought. It was about I was thinking it was a couple months ago I thought that if I had met me if yeah. <laughs> that if I had met me ten years ago or fifteen years ago, more yep. like fifteen years ago. If I had met me fifteen years ago when I was when I was like twenty five or something. I would have gone, no, really? <laughs> really, him? That's <laughs> cool. And now I'm just sort of like, oh gosh, I'm just a, you know, now I'm just a guy trying to make a living at this and, you know, having to pay his mortgage and do all that totally unglamorous stuff. Occasionally, I try to be a fan too, so, you know, even the movies that we've written and stuff that I think really suck, like, oh, <clears throat> Um, but uh, even in the movies that we've written that like I don't think are very good, uh, you know, I make sure to keep the posters on my wall. You know, I make sure to have posters for the movies, and I, you know, and keep the and I, I mean, we keep the DVDs of these films and I shot to remember where we came from. Yeah. Uh, so after you're done with principal photography, you're done. Before you go into post, was there anything that you sat back after you're done saying and said to yourself, "Wow, I, I really learned 
blank, as they would say in the 70s game show. Absolutely. Well, how about I learned how to direct? Uh Uh-huh. Now, when you say that, what exactly do you mean in terms of camera or direct or actors? Well, okay, or? A lot of it for me was camera. Okay. Learning in terms of camera. Sure. Because I didn't, you know, there were other things that, you know, you, that you pick up along the way. Help. I learn every script I write, too. Okay. Not necessarily. Sometimes it's very much learn what not to do. Uh-huh. You know, and in, uh, in the case of oh, directing, it's the same way. I learned a lot on what to do. I learned a lot of what not to do, you know. A lot of the stuff that I thought would be, wow, was eh. And a lot of the stuff that I thought would be eh was wow. Okay. So, <laughs> it's one of those things where it, you didn't think it would translate, but then when you saw it, it was like, wow, this is better than I ever. Yeah, or, or it was, I was on set going, oh, my God, how do I shoot this? How do I get this? Uh, how do I capture it? I, I, the, what we wrote isn't, isn't going to work. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, okay, and I just sort of come up with a spur of the moment idea yeah. where, I, where I turn to the actors and go, help me out here, guys. Sure. Well, speaking of actors, now having Robert Patrick in the movie, obviously with the credits that he brings and, 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 and the experience that he brings. Um, now, I haven't seen Autopsy yet, so I don't know how much he's in the movie, but... He's in it a decent amount. The other actors are very, very experienced. Okay. Yeah. What kind, how did that help you as a, as a, as a first-time? director going oh, on to set. Was, well, they knew what they were doing, uh-huh. and uh, you know, and they, they came up with good creative ideas, and I made sure before we got down to oh, uh, Jacksonville or Baton Rouge, we shot it in a little town called Jacksonville, Louisiana, okay. about 45 minutes north of Baton Rouge at a working mental hospital. You know, I made sure that I talked to all the actors oh, about what their characters were going to be and told them sort of what my ideas were and got what their ideas were and sort of collaborated and came up with um, cool characters for them. So they had stuff to do when they got there. They had ideas and stuff before, you know, before we even arrived. Okay. Now, was there a lot of rehearsal done on the set or were you under such a time crunch? Where I, it was had, like... I had a week of rehearsal with the actors before we shot. So, oh, that's great. Um, so I got, to, I got to do stuff. But, I mean, in a horror movie, acting rehearsal is only so important. Yeah. What's a lot more important is, is this blood gag going to work? Yeah. You know, is this, oh, wow, we don't have a steady cam. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do? How are we going to shoot this uh, kind of thing? So it was, uh, we were, I was, I was very prepared in terms of that kind of stuff. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's very hard. It's, it's, you know, I tend to have 20-20 hindsight, too. Just like, yeah, sure. You know, we ended all figured out yeah but truth be told it's a process like anything else sure and even people who have been doing that you know directing whatever it is over a long period of time it's it, you're still learning new stuff anyway because new things the thing always about come up directing is no director it, it seems to be a disease that directors can't admit that they you know that they're how about mortal mm-hmm. you know so everybody's sort of like yeah this is my vision it's oh shut the f- up <laughs> You didn't know what the hell you were talking about. You finally saw a cut, and you're like, okay, well, this will work, you know? <laughs> it's just like, you know, we're all we're all grown-ups here. We can admit we're grown-ups, you know? Yeah. So let's talk about the film festival. The Eight Films to Die For Film Festival is January 9th to January 16th, uh, playing in different cities. How excited are you now that your film is finally going to be shown? I'm I'm very excited. I'm nervous. I think it's going to be cool. I hope people like it. Um, I don't look forward to reading the bloody disgusting message boards the next day because those people are mean. <laughs> 
<laughs> but, but I'm very excited. I mean, you know, it's not often when a dream comes true. Yeah, and and that's the thing. It's got to just be. I mean, I can't imagine being in your shoes, having worked as a as a writer, um, and now getting your first film out there for everybody to see. It's just got. It's got to be just it's a, a rush. Yeah. Well, he is. Adam Girash, he is the director of Autopsy. It is one of the eight films to die for in this year's After Dark Horror Festival. Please go out, support your independent filmmakers, and Adam, I'd like to thank you again for joining me in the graveyard. Cool. Well, thank you for being in the graveyard, and I've enjoyed it. Well, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed revisiting my interview with director Adam Girash discussing Autopsy. I got to tell you, I, I just loved his honesty. Uh, he made my job so easy that day doing that interview. It was really a whole lot of fun, just chock full of information. And for any aspiring filmmaker out there, director, writer, uh, any part of the business, uh, hopefully you learned a lot by listening to Adam. There, this was one of those interviews, like I said at the top, that really... It, it's entertaining, but you just learn so much from it. This was one of those interviews that I did for the show that uh, really helped, I think, pull back the curtain a little bit and get the average person to understand what it's like to make a movie. Whenever I'm able to get that on the show, it's 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 great because I just not only did I want the show to be entertaining, I wanted it to be really informative. And this was one of those interviews, and I have many more that will be coming up as well. So if you enjoyed the show uh, and it's your first time listening to this, uh, welcome. And there are two other Tombstone editions of the show that I uploaded. Uh, As I I mentioned at the top of the show, Tombstone number two, which was with actor Hal Havens discussing Night of the Demons, the original. And Tombstone number one had director... Patrick Lussier, as he came on the show to discuss his film at the time, My Bloody Valentine 3D. Again, great information from those interviews as well, learning what it's like as an actor, as a director. Uh, Patrick was also Wes Craven's editor for a very long time. So just tons of information for you if you're learning and want to be a part of the entertainment business just to kind of hear what working professionals in the industry have to say and advice that they can give and experiences that they've had as well of course if you like the show and you want to subscribe you know hit that subscribe button and if you like it hey give me a like i like likes 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 are good all right um and uh, of course comments are always welcome. Come on back, folks, because, like I said, there's plenty more interviews to come over these next weeks and months to come. I'm happy you could join me here inside the graveyard. It gets a little lonely here sometimes, so having friends come by to say hello is always welcome. And as you exit the graveyard, as always, I like to remind you to please lock the gate behind you. We wouldn't want anyone to get out. Until next time.